Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. In our sermon series, Trending, we are talking about trending topics within our news media that really strike a chord with people in their hearts. The way we follow news media in our world today is by how many people are reading and sharing about a particular topic on social media. I'll be picking up on these trending topics and pulling them out to discuss how God's Spirit is operating through these events in our world. I hope you enjoy. So our first reading today is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33, a familiar parable of a mustard seed. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading also comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure what is new, and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we are continuing with the sermon series, Trending. And if you are not familiar, or if you have not been paying attention for the last few months, here is a recap. (laughs) Essentially, we use the scriptures assigned by the lectionary each week. The lectionary is a way of breaking up the Bible so that throughout a three-year process, essentially you get to preach on the whole thing. We take whatever scriptures we are assigned to a specific Sunday, we extrapolate what we can from them, find a theme, and then look for that theme in the worldwide trending topics to connect the Bible to our everyday, showing that God is still moving and breathing in our everyday world. So with that, let's turn back to the scriptures we just read. There are five different parables in today's reading, but they are all about the kingdom of heaven. 
So let's jump right into them. Verses 31 through 32 speak about a mustard seed becoming a tree. Now let's be clear, a mustard seed makes a shrub. That shrub can be from two to six feet tall, and in some extraordinary cases, nine to ten feet tall, but it doesn't make a tree. The imagery is used specifically to surprise us. A tree from a mustard seed? That's crazy. The metaphor is clear. Currently, well, in Jesus' time, the kingdom was small. But it would continue to grow and become much more, so much as to surprise us from the size that it could become, much like a mustard seed growing into a tree. Also, mustard plants were infectious and would get among all other bushes and plants. As we see later, this follows a theme of the kingdom starting small and then working its way through the entire thing. In verse 33, the parable is about yeast. Now, something interesting is that the verb used here, translated by our text as mixed in, is actually hid. The yeast is hidden in the dough. It is not mixed in or placed. Something else that sticks out here is the amount of flour. Three measures is roughly 10 gallons of dough. That's enough to feed 100 to 150 people. That's a lot of dough. What I get from this parable is that the kingdom is at present, again in Jesus' time, silent and hidden, but working by unexpected means and will become obvious as it takes over the entire dough. In Jesus' time, this could mean that the reality of the kingdom was hidden from the religious leaders and the general public, but would be revealed later to everyone. Verses 44 through 46 speak about two different parables, one in which a worker finds a treasure and another in which a seeker finds a pearl. In both of these, the kingdom of heaven is something that you give up everything else for. You only want or need the kingdom. There are a couple of differences, though. In the first one, someone stumbles upon the kingdom, and in the second, someone is searching for it. These parables imply that it doesn't matter how you find the kingdom, whether you stumble upon it or you've been searching for it for a very long time, but when you do find it, it is all that you will need. Verses 47 through 50 are an eschatological view of the separation of good fish from the bad. And it reminds us of the separating of the weeds and the wheat from last week. Matthew, as Alex explained earlier in the summer, is written as a propaganda piece. But I prefer to call it a marketing piece as propaganda has a negative connotation. So Matthew is written as a marketing piece to convince Jews to become Jesus followers. So a lot of eschatological or end times imagery is used throughout the gospel. So Matthew takes the time to write out all of these parables about what Jesus said the kingdom is like. But what is the kingdom of heaven exactly? So far, all we know is that it will grow surprisingly large. It's working in secret through the entire dough. And when we find it, we won't need anything else. 
and it will capture everyone inside so that the angels can separate the good from the bad. Now, traditionally, to modern-day Christians, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which are interchangeable in Matthew, represents heaven, the place we go when we die. But that isn't what it meant to Jesus or to Matthew and his audience when the gospel was written. In the phrase kingdom of heaven, heaven does not refer to a place of God's dwelling, but instead it's a reverential roundaboutness for Jews who didn't want to pronounce the sacred name of God. So instead of saying the kingdom of God, in order to not say God, they would say the kingdom of heaven. And since kingdom is a verbial noun whose primary connotation is not territory, but ruling power, reign or rule is often the best translation. So both kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God mean primarily God's reign or the sovereign power of God functioning as king. And throughout Matthew, the kingdom of God or heaven isn't given a particular time. It is spoken about in past, present, and future tenses. Matthew says that the kingdom has come, that the kingdom has come near. And then in Matthew, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray that the kingdom will come. For Matthew, this isn't just some out there time and place. The kingdom isn't an abstract doctrine or idea either. The kingdom is a presupposition for ethics, meaning that the coming of God's kingdom means that God's will is done throughout the universe. You participate in the kingdom of heaven when you act according to God's will. That is the view of Matthew, and that is what the kingdom of heaven is in these texts. So if we think about these parables through that lens, then we get to what I think Matthew is really saying, which is when you act in accordance with God, a small deed of good can help grow into more and more good, much like a ripple effect or a mustard seed becoming a tree. When you follow the will of God, even without saying that that's what you're doing, you can affect the entire dough and help others to rise up to do the same. When your heart is aligned with God's heart, you won't want to do selfish or evil things anymore. You will give all of those things up because following God's will is so much better. If you are participating in the kingdom of God, you will be separated into the good category in the end times. Otherwise, you will go into the bad category and be thrown into the furnace. Seems harsh, but again, remember, this is a marketing strategy by Matthew. Now, it was at this point that I started to get a little mad at Alex for giving me this week. I have five parables with five different lessons in them. How am I going to find one trending topic to encompass all of these? Maybe I could find five trending topics and just blow everybody's mind. But that would be a lot of work and it would take a lot of time and the sermon would probably be 40-ish minutes. So instead, I just started to look at the trending topics online for the day. And the day that I looked, there was a worldwide trending topic called hashtag makes this a wonderful world. 
Essentially, people were simply tweeting things that make this world wonderful. Their responses varied from silly, like bacon makes the world wonderful, and determination with a lion on stilts trying to catch a zebra, uh, to sweet, Donald Duck is uh, tweeted for his wife and how much he loves her. And then there's an elephant holding an umbrella for some other animal that I can't tell. To just simply true. Like laughter makes the world a wonderful place. Animals and beaches. And if you can't read what this young lady's sign says, it says, Coach once told me that I ran like a girl. And I said that if he ran a little faster, he could too. (laughs) But then one specific tweet caught my eye. It was called Light the Night. And they tweeted, joining us at Light the Night this season makes this a wonderful world. Well, I was intrigued. So I went to lightthenight.org and found out about this organization. And on their website, when you click the About tab, this comes up. At Light the Night, it is our aim to bring light to the darkness of cancer through research and cures. Light the Night is a series of fundraising campaigns benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's funding of research to find blood cancer cures. We bring hope instead of despair by working to ensure access to treatments for all blood cancer patients. We bring communities together to celebrate those who are fighting the disease and to honor those who we've lost. We are taking steps to end cancer. We light the night. Here's a short video about one of the walks Light the Night does. Light the Night is an opportunity for us to raise money and to have that fellowship and meet folks who have gone through similar situations. I'm a survivor, and this is my 15-year anniversary. And, and this, is, this is Team CNET. We're all here to celebrate and to do this walk together. This night is special because I get to walk with other survivors. We are here at the Remembrance Pavilion as a family to write down our thoughts about Tyler and it felt really good to write these thoughts down on paper and to put up her picture and just remember the special girl that she was. Being in the survivor circle, there was so many emotions, seeing so many people of all walks of life. It made me especially tear up seeing the really little kids, but also some of the people that I've been in remission for many, many years. My experience was just wonderful. Everyone is smiling, enjoying their time, cheering as we see everyone walking. It just brings everyone together. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society empowers those who want to bring an end to cancer to magnify the power of their voice. Together, more than lanterns, more than money, together we walk because we all have the same heart for those who we love. This organization and many others like it don't just remind me of the kingdom of God. They are the kingdom of God. They inevitably start small like a mustard seed with an idea. 
How can we help those who are suffering? What can we do for those who are in need? And then sometimes unexpectedly, they grow bigger and bigger. They continue to work behind the scenes, some may say in secret, to help their organization grow and spread throughout the city or state or country or the world. Once they have their idea for their organization, they won't let go of it. They say, yes, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And if the kingdom is aligning with God's will and this organization is giving hope and faith and love to people who are ill and sick, I would say that that is definitely aligning with God's will. There are so many organizations that exist like Light the Night, and they all follow the pattern of the kingdom. And if you get involved, you will also be participating in the kingdom. Now, this is where my original sermon ended, but that's a little short. And then I was driving to work one day, and I thought of something. I, like Matthew, assumed that my audience would know something. Matthew never explained what the phrase kingdom of heaven was because it was a common phrase. And I realized that in my explanation of what the kingdom of heaven was, I never explained what it means to be aligned with God's will. I never took the time to extrapolate what I meant by that. So instead of going back and disrupting the whole flow of my sermon with an added part, I decided just to tag it on here at the end. I'm very mathematically minded. I like equations and algebra. So when I think about deeper topics, they usually boil down to math in my head. And this idea of the kingdom isn't any different. 1 John 4, 8 says to us that God is love. So if God equals love, then you can interchange the two much like an equation. And because we know that the kingdom of heaven was the same thing as saying the kingdom of God for Matthew, then you could also say the kingdom of love. Now, I know that sounds a little hippy-dippy, but stay with me. Earlier, I explained that the kingdom of God or heaven wasn't a time or a place, but a reign of God or God's ruling power in our lives. So if that is true, then it should also stay true when we have replaced God with love. Participating in the kingdom of heaven is allowing love to rule over our lives, allowing love to have its reign. When you act in love, you are acting in accordance to God's will. When you show love to others, you are helping to grow the mustard seed. When you find love, there is nothing else that you want, nothing more that you need. You're willing to abandon everything else for the sake of love. To borrow a line from an Ed Sheeran song, Everybody's talking about exponential growth and the stock market crashing in their portfolios. Well, I'll be sitting here with a song I wrote, singing love could change the world in a moment. But what do I know? When you choose love, you choose to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. It is a choice, a daily, hourly, sometime minute-by-minute choice. So leave here truly meaning what we say at the end of each service and choose love. Because it is the only way 
that we can truly change the world and live as a part of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.